0: Welcome to Do Not Listen to This podcast. I'm your host, Roger, and I have a great guest today. Introduce yourself, real quick. It's Gary Fry. It looks like Frey,
1: but if you call me Frey, I know you're a telemarketer. But why is it not F R Y if it's Gary Fry? Uh, these Germans uh-huh.
0: in my history, Geared, I guess. Geared I don't know. Down. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very good. Um, this set is about building community. I wanted to have Gary on because and i had i had the privilege of working with him a little bit on this but first he built a community with his podcast so let's talk we'll talk about that first and then i wanted to and then he said well wait a second we did about a 100 of these let's have a live event which is a whole different thing right so let's talk about both yeah but <laughs> what what worked for you for creating the podcast community and what did you learn and what would you do different differently let's talk about that first
1: You know, it's funny because it was one of those deals where opportunity truly knocked on my door. I wasn't seeking it out. Right. Um, I was a guest on my co-host's podcast. It was called Success Defined. Mm -hmm. And my co-host is much younger than me. He's he's about my youngest son's age. I think he's 35. Right. And he came to me about four and a half years ago because we launched it. 4 years ago he said hey I would like you to be on I'd like to co-host a podcast with you and I said ooh that'd be fun like and I like learning ask, stuff That's the co-hosts Yeah that's my co-host talent asked me that and I said yeah that's great I, I love learning from you like this guy sold his first company when he was 24 I did my first turnaround when I was 28 yeah, so there was common, I just like this guy common ground yeah And so I I said but there're two conditions Okay. He goes, what are they? And I said, the first one is I want to call it the Anything But Typical podcast, if it's available. And right. he goes, ooh, I like that. Why? And I said, because all of us are Anything But Typical, and our thumbprints prove it. Like, everybody has a unique story, and I want to just find the people that are willing to tell the behind-the-scenes reels, not just the podium finishes. He goes, oh, I like that. And I said, and I was also positioning this CPA firm that I'm now a partner in, which is hilarious because I'm not a CPA and I'm the only non-CPA. But but,
0: but just for those people that don't know, he has worked at a couple banks. Yeah, but I'm not a finance guy at all. You don't need to be a finance guy to work at banks.
1: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I'm a problem solver. But, and I'm also a college dropout. So like, I couldn't even talk about that. Like, oh my gosh, you know, what kind of an idiot is this guy? But I, so, but we, we serve only privately held businesses and their owners. And I love them because I've run four companies myself. Right. And I'm very passionate about the privately held sector of the economy because that's the engine. And as if, if you have good leaders, it has a ripple effect on families right. and communities. Right, right, And if you have a bad leader, it has the same thing. So right. I want more good leaders. So I said, this is where I'm going with with the CPA firm and kind of positioning them because it was true to our DNA and it's true right. to my DNA. Right. And I wasn't, again, I wasn't a partner at the time. I hadn't bought in yet. Right. I hadn't even been invited in yet. So the second thing is, as I said, I I just want to focus on privately held businesses and their owners. And I really want to focus as much just on Charlotte as possible because I was sick of being in the shadow of the Research Triangle Park in North Carolina, the Raleigh-Durham area, Austin, Texas, Silicon Valley, et cetera, because we have a lot of cool things happening in Charlotte. I'm not opposed to outside, but I really wanted to have that. he said, man... Before speaking you speak in my language,
0: I'm going to interrupt you because that's a big nugget that I think a lot of people miss with building community. They try to build too big of a community. If you start small, you can always grow. If you start big, you, you really rarely get there. So being that focus helps to build the community for sure. Absolutely. You are the reason
1: Uh-oh. that you you really helped us when we started wondering, well, should we expand and get bigger Right. One of my coaching sessions with you, Roger, was no, no, no. I forgot about this. Niche it, niche it, niche it. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Which is exactly exactly what we did at, yeah. when I was president of the business journals in the United States of all these American city business journals. We had 41 cities that we covered. We were local, local, local. We My chairman just hounded, hyper local, and he had been the COO of Wall Street Journal and Dow Jones. So. Yeah. He came from big, but he's like, yeah. no, it's hyper-local.
0: No, it is hyper-local. And you just reinforce it. Well, because the thing is, is that as you, if it's working in the niche and you niche down and you niche down again and you niche then you get very, very specific, it's almost impossible for anybody to compete against you. Well, that was it.
1: That We charged higher yeah. advertising rates than the Wall Street Journal. Right. And we could prove it because our demographics were much higher than even the wall street journal i learned i I learned a lot from that guy but you just reinforced it so
0: that's how we and i I learned that from my radio days right so we were a radio station that was sold out you had to buy us and all you could get was promotional time so i charged twice as much for the promotional mentions as they did for the advertising (laughs) and they're like you're crazy and i go Am I, what else can you get? You can't buy a spot. What else can you get? And, and everybody (laughs) fell in place. And so, you know, um, it it helps being really good friends with the sales manager, but that's it. So (laughs) so the, so the podcast gets successful because you niche down you stayed true to it. You had the boundaries. Then you get this wall where you're like, okay, how do we take it to the next level? And that's the live event idea. So that started out as an idea. And then it actually happened to materialize. So talk a little bit about that. Because that's always hard when you're taking something that's an idea that could fail, right? Oh, big time. Or sideways, right? Yeah, big time. Or it could be hugely successful, but it's rarely anything in between. Talk about how building that community, because that's more of an internal community. That's your team that had to build that. Right. Yeah, so talk about that. Well, I think it still comes back
1: to this. Simon Sinek, ask your why. You know, do you understand your why? You do. You do this a lot, Roger. You you push people to think about their why. And
0: again, I go, all right.
1: I a like year I ago, like
0: to focus on why the hell are we doing that? Not why. <laughs> I like why the hell well, are we doing go. that I, I don't <laughs> want to waste time. <laughs> so yeah, I am kind of in that camp of why the hell are we doing this? Yeah, that's right.
1: That's yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, for me, it's it really wasn't even about the CPA firm. It was about my passion around the health of leaders.
0: Yeah. And because having you did, you did to be fair, you got a lot of great stories out of these people that that materialized. That's oh what yeah live event yeah okay.
1: And we were really picky about who on yeah. like the podcast if they didn't have humility. Right. And they weren't willing to talk about the stuff that's so difficult and the tragedies, because we all have them. Mm-hmm. If they weren't willing to talk about that, I didn't want to feature them. If they're just about beating their yeah. chest, how great they were not interested. Right. But it because that's where whether you're an entrepreneur or not. And like Australia is our second largest audience for the mm-hmm. podcast. It just keeps growing and it's been organic. We haven't paid like anything that Ben and I did was out of our pockets and out right. of our time. Right. But the, the CPA firm has gotten a big halo out of it. And right. since then, two and a half years ago, almost three. Now we brought Ben in, he was leaving, um, Edward Jones. He had done a turnaround of a, an Edward Jones office. And, um, he really likes, like he's got a thing for investments and that sort of thing. Um, he was going to punch out and do his own thing. And I said, wait a minute, we've got a registered investment advisor that's tied to our firm. I don't want to get my licenses renewed again. I've I've got PTSD from that world right. uh, in one of my lives. So I'm like, I don't want to do that. What if if you actually owned the majority of this little RIA that at the time right. had 6 million under management? And so we had to convince partners that weren't even my partners yet that were had a hundred percent control of that little six million dollar deal well it's now half a billion under management and he has we only have 17 percent of it now which is awesome right well so it's gotten a halo effect for him too in destination wealth which is is cool but it's because of who we're trying to serve so a year plus ago in october 2022 i said man in one year, we'll have had 100 guests, right? Because we only release every other week. It's a lot of a lot of work, right? Uh, and it's been a labor of love because we're we're doing it on our own time, right? So I said I would really love to honor these guys and do a one day event and get them together because what I want to do, what's lacking in Charlotte, North Carolina, is all the the power purchasers that were that built the city and rebuilt the city right. from bank of america wells fargo uh, duke energy belk stores etc cetera, etc cetera. those those big power brokers they had a relationship with one another and they they cared about the city right all those thrones have been abdicated since i came back in 2015 and i worked right. under the CEO of Bank of America, uh, Hugh McCall, who really built our skyline. Right. But this this community of people, um, it's like it's going to have to be the small business guys, the entrepreneurs, because the big the big bureaucratic. They,
0: they, they cashed out.
1: They cashed out, yeah. and or they've died out. Yeah. Well, and, uh, yeah. In in our city, yeah. and. And and the ones that are running those companies, you know, Bank of America, God bless them. But the guy is from Boston; he's not from Charlotte. And right. they'll give lip service to Charlotte, but they their heart isn't really here. Sure. So I'm like, we've got to do something to help connect these great people. They don't need a hundred new best friends, but they need to know each other because right. you can get stuff done fast when you have a relationship yep. with somebody you trust.
0: Yeah. And the, yep. the,
1: the more powerful you become or the richer you become, the fewer people that you can really trust. Yeah, that's right. So that was the whole point. So we decided, all right, we want to do this one day event. And I want it to be a learning event and right. a connecting event. Right. So I call you and I buy some some uh, yeah, strategy right. sessions with yep. you. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm like, hey, this is my idea. And one of the coolest things that, that you did, like, I've done these events for very wealthy families when I was in private equity, like very, very wealthy families. And it was always, no matter what we did, we would do these partner stories where I would pick a couple families where I knew their stories and I'd have them be interviewed by somebody that worked for me. Mm -hmm. And everybody, after we were done with the event, we'd do a post-event survey survey it didn't matter whether we had live open heart surgery, video links to the Cleveland Clinic, which we did, right. uh, which like we wanted to give them experiences that their money could not buy, which we did. But that still didn't ring the bell as much as hearing other people's stories. So like that was the thing. Right. So I was going to do that at the end of the day, kind of right. build to that. And you said, Gary, flip it. Flip it up upside down. Do that. The first thing. Yeah. So we did. And it was again, the number one thing we called it confessions of a CEO. We made a lot of fun out of it, had a lot of fun with it, but um, and we, we gamified the whole thing. That's the number one thing out of a very cool day. But I was, I, you said, you said, it's like either going to be successful or it's going to be failure. And I had, butterflies even you though don't I mean, you, 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 like, you don't know i mean you
0: know you don't know when you're in it it can be successful and you can go oh this is going to take a turn for a worse or it can feel like it's a <laughs> you're like oh this is gonna work out um but i'm glad it worked out for you Yeah, i think the biggest mistake people make in live events is trying to build up to something we don't yeah. live in that attention span world anymore. That's like the last century, you know, let's build up and then people walk away with it. You have to hit them in the face in, in you know in the metaphorical sense, not in the physical sense, but in the emotional sense and the yes. heart uh, right out of the box or or nobody's staying or worse, they're in the back talking bad about your event.
1: So yeah, and so the other thing that you helped me do, I was like, man, I don't want these guys to have to pay for anything because right. many times entrepreneurs and successful business owners, everybody expects them to pick up the tab. They mm-hmm. they are expected to write the check for the charity or whatever. Right. I'm yep. like, no, I want to serve them. I don't want them right. to have to pay for this. But our company couldn't afford a 30 grand right. check that it was going to take to do this event. And that was even doing it you know smartly like we we weren't just lavish right. we wanted it to be good but like we even did buffets because and we said no you know i wanted the opposite of the rubber chicken dress right. up right the uh, event like what we used to do at business journals where right. you you pay a, a bunch of money for an an evening of people droning on and on about how great they are and yeah. these social claps and crappy rubber rubber chicken dinners. Like, no. Yeah, exactly. I, I wanted great food, but I wanted people to be comfortable. And so we said t-shirts, jeans, whatever you're comfortable in, but oh. we're wearing shorts and jeans. <laughs> and so and so it just like cut through the the clutter and it just yeah. removed a lot of those barriers. But a lot of it was like, you gave me really great advice and help me get outside of my head as i was thinking through this thing but the cool thing was we were very picky about the sponsors right i, I and i said specifically there are no booths there right. is no selling if i hear that you're selling anything you won't be like that's not going to be good i'm just telling you none of that but i didn't i wouldn't have even had to say that cuz these are all really quality people you know very A high-end private bank and some other uh, companies that kind of serve that that group of people. All of we also got comment cards. Thank you for not selling anything. Yep, that's right. That's right. Thank you you for not selling anything. That's right. I mean, so I remember all of those sponsors. All the sponsors. All of those sponsors.
0: All the sponsors are have signed up immediately. They're like, we got to do this again. I remember that was that that was the first obstacle to the event becoming a reality was you know set a budget. I remember working with you to say just break it up into small chunks. It'll be easier. Yeah. It'll be easier to sell. And I think I think I think you sold it out like 48 hours after after it was it was it very fast. It was yeah, fast. fast. Yeah, all I had to
1: do is make some phone calls. Yeah, and then it was done. Yeah, it was <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. and I think that was important. I once that happened, I knew the event was going to be a success, right? Because I, I'm like, this biggest obstacle to this event is money, right? So once you remove yeah. obstacle one, you know, now you okay, the money's there. Now let's just focus on the event. And then, yeah, you know, you did a great job. Well, I'm I'm proud of you. And what? So what advice would you give to somebody starting anything that needs to build a community? What would you want them to know? Um, the
1: number one thing is know why you're doing it. Yeah. You know, uh, that's the number one thing. The second thing is don't try to do it alone. Right. Um, I, so Ben and I run the podcast and it was, it was really Ben's idea, but like, I love doing it with him. I don't know that I would do one by myself because it's so much work, but we found great ways to divide and conquer. And like, we're very different. We look at things differently, sure. but we have a very similar heartbeat. And even with the the planning of this event that we did and subsequent events, I've got a marketing roundtable uh, that I've assembled inside of our company—people mm-hmm. that have different skills and and perspectives. So it really is a very diverse mm-hmm. group of people based on on their their skill sets not based on their gender or what they look like but yeah, based on their skill sets and how they
0: look at things that's very powerful because i think you can't build a community without having a diverse group of people within your you yeah and, Building and, their... and and that's
1: Oh, go ahead well one, one of the things that i was going to say is the the whole diversity thing has become such a political football and it doesn't even mean div- to it, it's just it means many times in bureaucratic Corporate America, it means no group think.
0: Yeah, and, so that, yeah, that's right.
1: Superficial that, box checking.
0: So, so what's funny <laughs> about so here's what's funny about the diversity thing, right? So you know, look, um you either had a positive experience in a diverse group growing up, or you didn't. I, I did, right? Yeah. So if you had a positive diverse experience, then it's it, you're just like, well, why doesn't anybody else? Get this right, right? But yeah, people are so afraid of people that don't think like them, act like them, or look like them, right? That it just yeah triggers it triggers so many things in them, right? And it's the irony is those are the ones that probably need the diversity training the most, <laughs> right? And what well, I like, yeah yeah what I like to say yeah. them is like stop telling me you. T- stop telling me you're in charge of everything because I know you're not. I, you know, your wife is in charge of half of what you do, <laughs> and the other half she lets you think you're in charge of it. So, or, by, or, or the, you know, uh, so no, you're not in charge. The, you, you know, so yeah, the you need the diver- and diversity doesn't have to be anything complex. It's just different opinions.
1: Yes, and and being able to listen and respect those opinions yeah built around a a common heartbeat so and I'll, i'll use this example because all right so i i said you know these partner stories that we had done with big events when i was in private equity the culmination was hearing someone's story right Because everybody thinks, oh, well, they're a billionaire. And, you know, the millionaires have envy of the billionaires. I mean, it's just like it just never ends. Right. And, And they all think, oh, well, it must suck to be them. Well, sometimes it does. And so we would have these stories like we would have I'd have somebody interview them. I knew their stories. And so I was very picky about who. And then all of a sudden when people realize, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that you went through that horrific experience with your children or sure. that you were raised like this or that like all of a sudden the the walls fall yeah,
0: down. The walls come down that's right
1: so that was what i wanted to do and you said flip the script so we did this confessions of a ceo and we we gamified it yep. and one of the people on my team said oh hey there's this random name generator app that, like, you f- you put in all yeah. of the the people that are going to attend, and it's right. like spinning the wheel of fortune. You click the button and it spins. Right. I'm like, oh, that's fun because right. that's random. Yeah. That's you know, we good. were thinking about picking stuff out of a hat or yeah. whatever, and she's like, no, well, I wouldn't have thought of that. I didn't yeah, know that.
0: Right. That's great. That's great.
1: She did, and then we had, and I I wanted to be very purposeful about the questions. So what we did is we had 15 questions. We put them on each of the five chairs. We had five people that were randomly chosen by the name generator. And so what happened was, is people are like, they're either getting excited or they're getting nervous that their name may get get called up. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But we gave them the choice of these 15 curated questions and they were heartbeat questions. They, you know, some of them were pretty deep, right? And some of them were a little bit more lighthearted, but none of them were superficial. Right. But we gave them choice. Yeah. Again, back to what you had said, Gary, know your yeah. audience. These are CEOs. They are alphas. They like to be
0: in charge. Don't tell them what they have to do. Yeah. I think then what was unique about your situation was if you just put somebody up there to speak, right? Yeah. You would have increased your probability of failure. Yeah, because all of them would have been going, well, I could be up there speaking (laughs) and we wanted to remove that. That was the whole thing we wanted to remove, (laughs) which was, oh, you think you could be up here speaking? Oh, okay, Mr. Smarty Pants or Mrs. Smarty Pants. Okay, (laughs) well, that's going to be. And once you do that, that forces everybody to be present. You know, in live events, in live events, if you're not doing things that make people be present. The live event's going to fail. And the mistake, so many live yeah. events. Make, the, the mistake, so many live events make is, they get everything together and then they're just there, focused on pitching and selling the next live event that they're not even present at their own live event. So that, i say that's the biggest mistake. I see.
1: Man, that's so good. Yeah. That is. So, how do you How do you engage somebody to be
0: present? Well, you have to. That's what improv does, right? So it for it for it forces you to think in the moment versus you know uh, the future or the past, right? So anything you do that puts people in a present situation is going to is going to work out well. Again, it might be a big failure. That's okay. You'll learn from that. You'll learn more from the failures than you do from the successes, right? The hard part, I think, for yours was it It was a success. And now you probably have had a challenge feeling it, right? Like it's really hard for people to feel the success of something because you don't get that at the bar. You don't get yeah. it. Nobody goes, hey, we were all very successful today. Isn't this great? <laughs> Nothing, oh, this son of a bitch missed me. You see, the, the human nature thing doesn't reward success as much as it rewards failure yeah that's true
1: um the you know the cool the coolest thing besides all the sponsors saying hey we got to do this again right (laughs) um the the coolest thing was hearing back from people where they were even doing posts on social media on linkedin etc doing shout outs about how much that meant to them like that that was so cool and knowing that there, there is, there are connections that are forming
0: yep. there,
1: that the whole goal for me was yeah. tighten the weave relationally among these leaders, because if you have that happening and uh-huh. it's not because it's a, an exclusive social club, it's not that at all. Right. It's about, it's about getting stuff done for the greater good, for
0: the, yep. the greater community. Yep. That's, that's what drives me. So that was really cool. I'm glad, th- I'm glad that everything was successful. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for the compliments. And uh, I know <laughs> next year's going to be even better.
1: You're a great coach, uh, Roger. And I know that's not why you're doing this, but it really, you and I both believe and we eat our own dog food. We have to have somebody outside of our own jar to help us with yeah, yeah, the you label. Need- you coach, I coach, and we still need other, we still need coaches.
0: Yeah, I because only- we have. The same I, issue. Yeah, I only get good because I have other people pushing me or, you know, saying, well, okay, you've done that enough times. So why don't you try something else? And that, so that trickles down.
1: So I love I love your improv. You know, the fact that you've done it, you've taught improv. Yeah. It's terrifying, yeah. um, it, you know, but there's a lot
0: of the application of that to life. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, I, I think that what, the, life. the whole thing about improv that people don't understand is it's not a, it's the only acting training that works for drama and comedy, and it's got structure to it. People don't realize it has structure to it. And one of the things is bringing it in, into your daily life. So you know, I'm doing improv all the time when I'm out on the golf course or when I'm out at a, you know everywhere. I'm doing it. You know, and uh and it keeps you young and it keeps you present and it you know. Um, it's very, very important to to have something like that. If you don't have it, you know, it's not about going, you know, it's not about going up and going for the joke or going up or going to look like you're brilliant or, you know, it's not that it's just about being present. And actually the whole stuff behind improv is to make the other person look like the star. That's the whole thing. So that's so good and that and that's that's contrary to what you know most actors you know want their narcissistic fix, right look at me, look at me, look at me so it's a, it's a whole training process to get away from the look at me and you know let's look at you so
1: well, you know man, that's a money line right there, um, and that's a great way to live. That's really what we've tried to do with our podcast with the anything but typical podcast. It's not about Ben and me, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, about about, the, it's about the guests. It, That's right. It's That's about right. these other people, and, and yeah, Ben and I have interviewed each other and all that kind of stuff. But it's it really isn't about us. It's not That's, about how how do we make ourselves look smart. No, it's just about how do we pull stuff out of these people that have these amazing stories that
0: need to be told. Yeah, and this one, like this podcast that I've done now for five years, right? The, this do not listen. But I started out as a joke, um, but <laughs> With um, a name like that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, first and foremost, it's about the guests. But secondly, and more importantly, it's a. And this didn't happen until you're, you're two or three. It's about the supporters helping us feed stray cats and dogs and getting them good houses. That's it. That's what is more important. So you don't ever give up on it because it's that's the base of it. You know. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So thanks, thanks again yeah. for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for being a good coach to me too, Roger. I appreciate okay, you. Better.